Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. Michael and I will share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, For more information on Michael or myself or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, your co-hosts, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Hi, and welcome to the show. Today's Monday, June the 6th, 2016. Our calling number is 646 200 4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions because that makes this your show. Michael, welcome to Miracle Monday. Thank you, dear heart, and welcome, everyone. Uh, let's give a listen to our introductory song. Thank you. 
Let me remember, basic theme of the course is that uh, we forgot something. And if we simply choose to remember, then things are going to be different. Of course, if your mind is always chattering, many of you have heard me tongue-in-cheek say before that in order to heal, you've got to be out of your mind. The mind is always chattering, 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 chattering. Noise from the past that keeps us locked into its thought system. And so I want to take a little deeper look and uh, take a different perspective on forgiveness, which we've been talking about for five years, more specifically uh, from the Course. And so that's the direction I'd like to go today. And I'm going to start out with the moving toward the core of forgiveness as it's taught in the first century Aramaic and also appears in the Course in Miracles. Uh, You've perhaps heard me say before that there are only two places on the planet that I've seen an exact and specific definition in how to. Of course, the key is how to. You know, all the people you hear talking about forgiveness, ask them how you do it. My experience has been that if I ask people how you forgive, it ends up in frustration and upset on the part of the person that's being asked. I've done this more than once, and and all I say is, when they say, well, you know, you just forgive, I've said, well, actually, the reason I'm asking is because I don't know how. Can you tell me how? You know, if I were to say, I don't know how to drive, you'd say, well, here's what you do. You hit this button, it opens the door, you get in the car. There's the brake, there's the gas, you put the key in the ignition, you turn the key, you listen, the car starts. Then you put this in gear, and here, you drive down the road. Now, teaching me drive would be a different thing, but, but you'd answer me. But people who are talking about forgiveness, how you do it. My experience is, is that it brings up so much stress for people that they want to end the conversation. My offering is the reason they want to end the conversation is because nobody knows how to forgive. It's crazy. I remember working with one man in particular. He was tied in with, I don't even remember, some kind of an Eastern guru, and the whole focus of their thing was forgiveness. And after about 10 minutes of me simply saying, okay, so so I have a method I use for forgiveness, and I'd like to know what yours is, because they said, well, you know, this guy said, well, you know, our whole thing is about forgiveness. So I said, okay, well, tell me how you do it. And literally after 10 minutes, he yelled at me and walked away. So how do you do forgiveness? The core of the forgiveness process, as was taught in the first century Aramaic, has to do with the the meaning of the word, which has been translated as forgive, which is shabag or shabak. And the word means to cancel. And recognizing, and, you know, I taught this tool for years, Actually, I kind of accidentally came across canceling the goal from the Aramaic, and I would on occasion mention that to people, and people would come back to me and say, man, I've been doing that goal-canceling thing. That's amazing. That's really changed my life. And I went, oh, it has? Really? Okay. And so I became more and more intrigued with the where to, why for, and the how to of forgiveness recognizing, and just kind of as a short form, then we'll move into some more of the course ideas, recognizing this short form of forgiveness is that, or the how-to, is to recognize that all feelings, all perceptions, all realities, all behaviors are all a result of loading a driver into the mind. If I don't have a driver for, when I say driver, I'm talking in terms of, you know, if you have a computer and you buy a new printer, you have to load a driver first. You can't just hook the computer up and and print to it. You have to load a driver for the computer to be able to talk to the printer. So in order for your mind to serve up a behavior, in order for your mind to serve up a perception, in order for your mind to serve up a feeling, there's got to be a driver that drives that process. The driver is the goal. 
So in the Aramaic language, the word cancel, and, and people misuse canceling. Oh, yeah, I want to cancel all my rage and guilt. Well, you can't cancel your rage and guilt. Well, but can I just cancel my fear and my hatred? No, you can't cancel your fear and your hatred. The mind operates, I would offer, through indirection. You know, the day of technology is coming where, here I am sitting in my room and there's a thermostat over there. I could say, furnace, turn down two degrees, and it would turn down two degrees. But I can't go to the furnace and turn it down or turn it up. The furnace is controlled through indirection. There's a mechanism of controlling the furnace. The mechanism is called a thermostat. If I know how the mechanism works, then I can turn the furnace up and down. But if I don't know how the thermostat works, I'm never going to change what the furnace is doing. If you don't know how your mind is controlled, then you're never going to change what it does. You're going to be living the title of my book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? Or Why Am I Doing This to Myself Again? Or Why Am I Doing This to Someone Else Again? So in the same way that the furnace is managed through indirection, your mind is managed through indirection. Your perceptions, your feelings, your thoughts are all driven by goals. So recognizing that when you apply the canceling of the goal, no, you don't cancel your rage directly. You can't do it. But if you're in a situation where rage is coming up for you, and this is the importance of doing the work at the moment it happens. You know, in an intensive, one of the things we do is we purposely stir up the fear, the rage, the hostility, the guilt, the grief, the pain, the drama, and the trauma. Because it's only when it's stirred that you can do something about it. And it's the power and the beauty of the whole process. So when I realize that, let's say, for instance, we're talking about rage, that my rage is driven by my goal. And so if, let's say, for instance, I want somebody to treat me lovingly, gently, and with respect, and they puke on me, or at least in my perceptual world, they puke on me then I go into a rage. Well, I say I'm so enraged because they puked on me, but I'm lying to myself. I'm so enraged because in my mind there is rage. And my goal to be treated lovingly, gently, and with respect has activated or resonated that rage when the goal was frustrated. So the way I access and remove my rage is by canceling the goal that drives the feeling, that drives the perception, that drives the thoughts associated with rage. When I cancel it, what happens is all the surface stuff going on collapses. And when it collapses, you could almost get a visualization of it collapsing in on itself. And when it collapses in on itself, it gives me access to what's under the surface that is reflected in the rage. So that's the essence of the process. And if you look at the courses method for explaining that, and you know, it took me years before I ever found it in the course, and I only found it because I had the brain cells from the Aramaic for how to do forgiveness. I believe it's workbook lesson 305, about the seventh or eighth paragraph, where it says, and here's the canceling of the goal, exactly the same as the Aramaic. What it says is, let go all the things you think you want. You know? And then it tells you all the things you want. If you're not experiencing yourself as connected to love, if you're feeling and experiencing yourself as separated from love, you're feeling that because there are thoughts that generate that which is less than love, in this case, rage. So if I have thoughts associated with rage, I will cut myself off or separate from love. And if you go back to the ancient scriptures, you hear us being told that God is love. So I separate myself from the creator. And if you look at the whole 
you know, most of the traditional theologies, what they're trying to do is get us back to being reconnected. And, you know, there's a whole story that's developed as somebody has to die in order for God to be happy enough to take you back. And, I mean, the whole thing is to think that love could possibly do such a thing is ridiculous. And, and we live in a culture where, you know, in this country in particular, we put more, especially nonviolent people in prison than any country in the world. And it's all based on that old belief system of you got to make up for your wrong doing you got to be punished so love is going to punish in order to reconnect with love it's insane it's insane that aspect of most of the theologies is insane and you just need to look at what's happening in our prison systems and how the megabucks are being made by multinational corporations now over punishing people for their wrong if your theology has told you you need to be punished or somebody needs to pay the price because God won't be happy until you do, you've been caught in a lie. It's a fraud. It's an illusion. So what the Course says is let go all the things you think you want, your trifling treasure put away. And it says trifling treasure, basically what it's saying is what everybody really wants is to be connected to that space of love. I mean, if you look at every offering in the world, it's what, what, what it's telling you. I don't care what it is. If somebody's selling you alcohol, you're going to feel better. If somebody's selling you a TV, oh, you're going to have fun with this. You're going to feel better. If somebody's selling you dinner, you're going to feel better. It's, it's all about getting back to that connected space. The whole game of the world and all of the explanations as to why you need this or this or that or that, and you should spend your time and your intelligence and your money and energy on this and this and that and that, is in order to get back to that connected space. That's really the bottom line of all of it. But with the course, so all of the goals we hold, the trifling treasures, need to be eradicated. Doesn't mean you can't ever have any of those things, but if you think that any of those things are going to take you back to that connected space, you're going to pursue it to the point of insanity and self-destruction. And here's the trick. Love doesn't want a thing from you. Certainly does not and never wanted to punish you in any way, shape, or form, and certainly has never demanded a price. It's all based in men's game, the feudal overlord system. When the, the overlord became upset with somebody, he had to pay a price in order to get back in his good graces. Total projection, nothing to do with the creator. So let go all the things you think you want. Cancel your goal, the driver for your pain, the driver for the energy that keeps you separated from love. Your trifling treasure put away. Leave a clean and open space within your mind for love to come. So when you collapse a perception that's based in and driven by the goal related to content that has hostility or fear in it, in this case we're talking about rage, then what happens is the whole perceptual construct collapses. And when it does, then there's a space for the active presence of love, the conscious active presence of love, to come in and dissolve what separated. So the whole process of forgiveness is removal. And, you know, one of the things the Course uh, says is, your part is merely to return your thinking to the point at which the error was made. I'll leave the last few words off for now, but your part is to merely return your thinking to the point at which the error was made. Now, you look at those who put people on a couch for 20 years and have, you know, just listen to their stories, um, and, and it's an attempt to do that, but you don't return your mind to the point or your thinking to the point at which the error was made by talking about your life stories and looking for the deep, dark, dirty, terrible thing that happened to you, and then bingo, everything will be fine. What you do is you walk through life committed to knowing yourself as the presence of love, hold a newborn child, you know what a human life is, you walk through life committed to holding that, and when you're not able to do that, then you look at the goal you're holding, your trifling treasure, cancel it, collapse into what's separating you from love. You know, the, 
the world's definition of sin is some terrible, awful, evil, nasty, wicked thing you've done, if you go back to the original teachings of the man named Yeshua, it's got nothing to do with that. It's just that's all a total Greek fraud. Yeshua would sit and listen to somebody talk about that and say, that's all Greek to me. The word sin is an archery term. And when you fired at the target and you missed the target, the scorekeeper yelled sin if you missed the bullseye. That's all the word means. So if I put an energy, if, if I have a device called a body-mind unit, and it's got generations and generations of hostility and fear in it, and I put an energy of hostility or fear in it, then I am off the mark. I put an energy in that inhibits me from connecting to the active presence of love that I am and that has always been there for me. I cover it over with this noise of rage and guilt and grief and pain. And when I remove the rage and guilt and grief and pain, then I am freed of that and I'm back to a connected space. So to complete the few words that I left out of that, your part is merely to return your thinking to the point at which the error was made and give it over to the atonement in peace. Now atonement, again, what is the world's definition? Oh, you did something bad. You're going to have to atone for your sins. No, The truth is, if you put energies in that block your awareness that the active presence of love is in you as you and is your direct connection to the creator, that's the sin. That's the error. You put something in that blocks you. And that which blocks you creates all kinds of images in your mind based in the energy that's blocking you and convinces you that what you see there is the truth. What your perception shows you, what your picture world shows you, is the truth about either yourself or someone outside of you. So when it says, give it over to the atonement and peace, what it's saying is that once you cancel your goal, you collapse into the part of your mind that holds the energy that's off the mark. Ah, what did you just do? You just returned your thinking the point at which the error was made. Bingo. And with the practice of bringing love conscious, active, and present, you remove what separated you from love. You can't get away from the creator. I I don't care what you do. You live, move, and have your being in an energy field called love, and it's never changed, and it's never going to change. The only thing is, if you refuse to connect with it, if you keep something to separate you from it, then it seems to be not available. You look at the drunk in the street. You look at the drug addict in the crack house. You look at the prostitute. You look at the, the raging mother or father or child, and you see people who hold energies that inhibit them from knowing who they are and that they live, move, and have their being in an energy field called love. Then I want to go to uh, the workbook on uh, 189.6. And it kind of gives us another level of insight into the process of forgiveness. Today, we pass illusions. By the way, the word illusion in the ancient Aramaic doesn't mean something that doesn't exist as our culture produces it today. The word illusion comes from the root measured. If you measure hate into your system, then your perceptual system is going to be based in that hatred when it's resonated. That will become your illusion. What you've measured, remember Yeshua said 2,000 years ago, as you measure, it will be measured back to you. Your, your picture world is going to show the quality of energy. So if you look at somebody and you're enraged at them, it's because you've measured rage into your structure, they've res- resonated your rage, and because you're in denial and you're dissociated from your rage, your rage will be used to produce your brain's picture of them. Now you live in a picture world where they're in a guilty party, they did it to you, and it's all their fault that you're enraged. Have you ever said that to somebody? You really enrage me. Well, the reason you would say that to somebody is because there's rage in your structure. You've denied it. And then when somebody comes along and resonates it, literally, you have a digital-to-analog converter. Everything in the universe is energy, including your so-called body. 
And when an energy moves in you, you have a converter that turns it into pictures. And so now I see a picture of you being the cause of my rage. And all I have to look at you, do is look at you. And I'll stuff it all down by holding my breath and insisting that you're the cause of my rage. So the idea here is that by letting go all the things you think you want and letting yourself go back to the point at which the mind energy was originally accumulated, and it might be a hundred generations ago, it may be stuff you don't even recognize. Jesus seems confusing. I don't even know what this is. And then as you breathe and invite the active presence of love, you get back to a space of connectedness to love. You don't atone for a sin. You've got to make up for it. You know, Vladimir Lenin says you want to destroy a culture, just change the meaning of its words. You can destroy everybody in the culture. If you think atonement means you have to pay for your sins, then you'll never remove from yourself what separates you from the presence of love and discover that the presence of love never left you. It was never touched. It was never harmed. It was never damaged. It's simply there for you 24-7-365. So by canceling the goal, the, what has been measured into you, which reflects your illusion, your, your mental construct, dissolved. So today we pass illusions as we seek to reach what is true in us and feel it's all embracing tenderness, it's love which knows us perfect as itself. It's sight, which is the gift the gift of love bestows on us. We learn the way today. It is as sure as love itself to which it carries us. For its simplicity avoids the snares of and the pardon me the snares, the foolish convolutions of the world's apparent reasoning but serve to hide. So once we separated and somebody convinces us that if we'll do what they say or we get what they got, then we'll be okay, everything will be fine, then we get caught in all kinds of convoluted thinking and all kinds of snares to try to keep us looking out there for the answer of what's going on in here. You know, if there's a problem in, in, you know, I, I love the, the thing that Tim introduced a long time ago on the, on the radio show, and he put forward the thought, well, gee, you know, if, uh, if you have the fire alarm go off in your house, are you going to send the fireman two blocks to the house two blocks away from you? No. You're going to call 911, and you're going to bring the fireman to your house where the problem is. So when we play the game of I think or speak, that you're the problem in my life, that's denial, then my mind produces a whole picture world, an illusion. It measures back to me my rage in my brain's image of you, and you're the problem. And then I think you have to change in order for the problem to be solved for me, to get back to that space of love. And, and I don't care where it is. You know, I've been doing this for 50 years with people. I don't care how much rage, how much pain, how much sadness, how much fear, how much guilt, how much terror, how much trauma they have. If they will do what it takes to collapse the perception driven by the goal they're holding currently, they'll drop back into and begin to get in touch with love. Now, it takes about a 25th of a second for the carbon-based memory system to shoot up another thought. So when you first start doing it, it may only last a 25th of a second. Then as you do your work, you might get to where it lasts two 25ths of a second, three, four, five, five 25ths of a second. Wow. Not very long, but there'll come a point where you'll start to notice that energy shift. It might only be for a fraction of a second, but if you'll turn the work you're doing into a practice, then that fraction of a second will become your whole life in that connected space. But the world will tell you, we have the answer. And the mind programmed by that will live in what I call the number one pseudo-solution of the non-being mind, and that is, if I could just figure this out. You can't figure it out. Here's how you do it. You return your mind to the point at which the thinking error was made. 
by canceling the goal that you hold that's driving the current feeling, the current behavior, the current perception. And as you do that, your mind gets quiet. And when it gets quiet, you get to get connected to the active presence of love once again. So this lesson goes on to say, simply do this. Be still and lay aside all thoughts of what you are and what God is or love is. All concepts you've learned about the world. All images you hold about yourself. So you see clearly here that it's an unlearning process. It's an undoing process. It goes on to say, empty your mind of everything it thinks is either true or false, good or bad, of every thought it judges worthy, and all ideas of which it is ashamed. Now, you can't figure this out. You can only enter into the undoing process by Canceling, you know, I can only turn the temperature down on the air conditioner by adjusting the thermostat. I can only access the hidden content by canceling the driver that drives the process. Now, there are processes that people have developed, and this genius Yeshua, how he knew how to do this, I don't know, but I sure do feel blessed by the fact that I came across it. There are people who can, you know, get you into a conversation, have you believe something different, and the new belief that you buy was better than the old belief, so goodness sakes, here I feel better. That was awesome. But it doesn't resolve the core issue. You have to empty your mind, this lesson says, of everything it thinks is either true or false, good or bad, every thought it judges worthy, and all ideas of which it is ashamed. Hold on to nothing. Do not bring you one with you one thought the past is taught, nor one belief you ever learned from anything. And then it gives you an interesting piece of information. It says, forget this world, forget this, forget this course. So here's a text on bringing yourself to a healed state, and in essence what it says is, and now you get rid of this instruction manual. Because the words in the instruction manual will not give you the experience that you're looking for. The words... When we ascribe to a power they don't have, and, you know, you can watch people. I've been, you know, watching some Course in Miracles um, online groups, and and somebody asks a question, and somebody pastes in 30 paragraphs from the course. There you go. It's like, no, no. Forget this world. Forget this course. And come with holy, empty hands to love. Now, I think it really means totally empty head or mind to the connected space of love. And what it goes on to say is that the creator, love, knows the way to you. You need not know the way to love. Your part, again, here's another passage on your part. The original one we shared was Your part is to merely return your thinking to the point at which the error occurred. So here it says, your part is simply to allow all obstacles that you've interposed between yourself and love, the creator, to be quietly removed forever. This is atonement. This is what brings you back to a space of oneness. The creator, love, will do his part in joyful and immediate response. Ask and receive. So where the world tells you there's something you have to do, well, let me go out and uh, Jeannie and I were in Rome uh, a couple of years ago, and we went to one of the shrines, and here's this 
a little Italian lady, and she's down on her knees, and it's kind of a, a rough, fairly rough cobblestone area, and she's down on her knees, crawling around on her knees to try to atone for her sins. We were out, let's see, where was it? I don't remember where we were. It's Easter time. This is about four years ago. And there are these young people following this older gentleman, and they're each carrying wooden crosses. Like, that's going to get them somewhere. Yeshua did say, take up your cross. But when he said that, what he was saying is not take up a piece of wood. He was saying, what is it in you that you've held on to that, and the words of the Course say, what you've interposed between yourself and love? What have you put in the way? That's your cross. What have you come to believe will save you and protect you? My rage, my guilt. Oh, if I'm guilty enough, then some God will feel sorry for me and come and get me. No, never going to happen. So your cross is the belief in some form of hostility or fear that separates you from being in touch with what has always been alive and always been well in you, and that is the active presence of love. So love will do its part in joyful and immediate response when you do your part. What's your part? Let go all the things you think you want. Leave a quiet space, a clean and open space where you can return to the point at which the error was made. Then come empty. Your part, it says here, another refinement of it, your part is simply to allow all obstacles that you put between yourself and the Creator go. Let them be removed. Do not make demands nor point the road to love by which it should appear to you. Like, you know, as if you think you could possibly figure it out. It's so much bigger. It's so much more amazing. And what word can I use? Phenomenal. Just beyond comprehension. That if you try to run it, if you try to control it, never going to happen. You've got to be empty. The way to reach that active presence of love that is in you, is called the creator, is to merely let it be. For in that way is your reality proclaimed, proclaimed as well, it says. So it goes on to say, so today we do not choose the way in which to go to him, to go to love. But we too do choose to let love come to us. And with this choice, we rest. In our quiet hearts, and our quiet minds, that love will blaze a pathway of itself. What has not been denied is surely there, if it be true and can be surely reached. Love knows his son or daughter and knows the way to them. You, it goes on to say, you do not need to show love how to find its way to you. Through every open door, love shines outward from its own within and lightens up the world in innocence. Breathing is an important key and step in the process because it undoes. And so I'm going to invite you to just take a couple or three deep breaths with me. You'll notice while someone's doing their process work, I'm often just breathing. If something less than love comes up in me in response to what someone's sharing, when they're in their pain or their trauma, I breathe, and that which is less than love in me dissolves. And I'm continuously thanking that person for showing me what it is that I need to heal. That is, in the words of this lesson, interposed between myself and the presence of love. 
let go all the things you think you want. Your trifling treasure put away and leave a clean and open space within your mind for love to come. And so that is a short picture on the forgiveness process, partially from the Aramaic and from Course in Miracles. We're honored that you're here to share it with us. Let's say hello to Dr. Tim if the young man is with us. Jeannie, is Tim there? He is. He's with us and he's on. Well, how are you, sir? Any thoughts to share or to add to those thoughts? Well, I think the um, the thing that popped up most for me is the ancient nature of the idea that when you slow down and do less, you accomplish more. It's in the Tao Te Ching. Um, you know, no ignorance, no end to ignorance is a cone. The uh, the idea that if you really want to get something done, you just meditate longer and you end up being more productive. This actually came up on Thursday in the support group and I got out the the uh, Google to go to the ID, uh, Tao Te Ching and run through some of those quotes. And it's in there several times that if we think we're going to do, do, do to accomplish more, we end up more and more frustrated and more and more drained. And when we slow down and tap into our being, we get more accomplished. And the irony there is it's not us accomplishing it. It's being done through us. You know, the Yeshua is quoted as saying, uh, of myself I do nothing, yet all these things the Father does through me. So that's what's resonated for me, the idea that this entire process of forgiveness and the canceling and what you're reading about from the, the Course in Miracles is turning it over to a higher level of integration, of wisdom, of intelligence, and knowing there's something beyond what my conscious logical mind can accomplish. Otherwise, I'd never digest any food. I would never really even get up out of the chair because my conscious logical mind has no idea how any of that stuff takes place. So, um, you know, for me, it's just a really nice review and and sinking in at deeper levels that uh, I'm being lived, I'm being breathed, I'm being seen through, and my job is to offer to be used by something that knows how to use my body in a more loving, joyful, creative, and productive way than than I can figure out with what I've been taught in the past 62 years. Cool. When you you mention the ancient nature of it, it ties in. I I did a repost from somebody who had a a picture of uh, Lao Tzu. I don't even know when that is, ancient China. And uh, I'm not sure what year Latsu uh, lived, but uh, one of the things he says, and it, and it looks at, you know, the complexity that the world offers. This this lesson talks about the, um, let's see, how did it say it? Let me just flip back over to that page. The convoluted thinking of the world. And um, one of the things, uh, I'm going to forget that page. It's not coming up right away. But... Um, just how the offerings of the world, the external world, how many you know solutions it offers. But what Lao Tzu said several thousand years ago in ancient China is, the more laws there are, the more thieves there will be. It just ties right in. It's like every time somebody comes up with, oh, well, we'll write another law. Well, we'll write another law. We'll write another the major purpose of that is to put money in somebody's pockets. And, you know, you look at, here we are, we have, you know, the most complicated set of rules trying to govern men that you've ever imagined. And now as a result of that, we're into over 19 trillion in debt. I was posting, came across some, some reports in the, uh, the uh, Pentagon, is at a loss to account for 
$6.3 trillion. Not million, not billion. They can't tell us what they did with $6.3 trillion. <laughs> and you just look at, I mean, you look at Lao Tzu's wisdom and and you just see, you know, how the game goes. It's just, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. But anyway. I think that, I think they they may have, if if they redirect their search, if they look uh, into the hardware department, they might have spent it on a screwdriver and a toilet seat, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. I think was, I think the I think the toilet seat was five hundred and fifty dollars or something, where they were paying for toilet seats, which of course you know somebody's brother-in-law was making toilet seats for two bucks and and sold them for five hundred. It's you know. <laughs> And they said, you have to have this standard. And so, you know, the brother-in-law set the standard. More laws, you know. I mean, Glatz's insight was so, you know, Well, and so again, you, know, you, 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 you say a, a picture of Lao Tzu, and um, I've read different reports about how they don't, they're not even certain that that was one man because Lao Tzu in, right. in that language meant old man. So it may have been just an accumulation of wisdom. Yeah, the like we, symbol we, of we, wisdom. We, yeah, yeah. We talk about the old wives' tales and folk knowledge, and so um, I just. Well, I thought I thought it was old husbands' tales. <laughs> it could be, <laughs> except I think I think back then they realized that the women were smarter and kept most of the wisdom. It might have yep. been before. Well, it's not that's different today. Yeah, might have been before the patriarchy took over. Well, let's check with Jeannie and see if there's anybody in the chat room with anything going on that we should know about or anybody in the phone queue with a hand up. We do have company in the chat room, but uh, cool. we do have a hand up. So it's area code 954. You're on the air. Who do we have? Hi, this is Shelly. How are you guys? Well, hey, young man. Welcome. Hey, thank you. How was your anniversary dinner there, y'all? It was wonderful. We had, we actually had two. We, we, uh, the day that was actually Jean's birthday, we worked all day and then we went out for dinner and we took the next day off. And so we got to do two dinners and we got to do a massage and we have a friend who's a chiropractor who's got a new laser that he just imported from Germany and we got to be lasered and we got to do a movie. So we, we had a great playtime. It was awesome. I was talking about a story that I posted on Facebook the other day when you was talking about rage. And the story was about mm-hmm. this monk. He'd been a monk for many, many, many years, a long-standing monk. And he got in his boat, and he went out in the middle of the lake, and he dropped his mooring. He was out there meditating for hours. And um, somebody came out and bumped into his boat while he was meditating. At first, it didn't bother him, and then it happened two, three, four, five times. He was starting to feel this rage build up inside him, and he, he was so mad. He was so so furious that he went ahead and finished his meditation, and when he opened his eyes to unleash on somebody, it was an empty boat that had broken loose from the dock that kept bump, bumping into his boat. So now he said in his story that whenever he feels rage coming up, he pictures an empty boat. That's cool. I thought that was pretty good, yeah. That's right on. Yeah. Yeah, so that's all I wanted well, to hear. Well, and okay, cool. Thank you, sir. No, thank <laughs> you. Good one. All right, blessings. See you later. Bless you. Guys. Bye. All right. It's our calling number. If you're on one of those stations where we can't see you, or if you're in the chat room and you want to talk to us, our calling number is six four six two hundred four one six nine. If you're on the phone and you push one, you'll be in the queue to talk to us, and we've got time for at least one really good conversation. We got about eleven minutes. Let's go. We have a hand up. Area code 808, you're on the air. Who do we have? Good morning, Mrs. Roma. Hey, Roma, how are you, young lady? Well, I'm filled with gratitude. The uh, presentation, uh huh. It was so beautiful to listen to your presentation from the course. And um, I was able to process things as I was listening, so. The inflow of love is magnificent. It's so, it's such a, I'm, I'm deeply, deeply, I'm beyond words grateful to be able to begin my day in mm. this conversation. 
So thank you. And isn't it awesome that that, isn't it awesome when we're willing to let go of all the things we think we want to know, that that energy is there, has been there 24-7, 365 for eternity. No matter what we're dealing with, it's just there. And to me, that's like, you know, the most amazing thing. Well, it, it appears to me that the thing, the thing that, the, that we think we want the most is precisely the thing that we must release. The goal. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like you're, uh, you're really moving some energy, young lady. Yes, yes, I in various different areas and working with a Chinese healer and not from China. He's not a Chinese man. He's an Irish cowboy, right. but uh, um, <laughs> okay. you know, doing Chinese medicine to heal some injuries that, that happened when I took a fall five and a half years ago. And it's, it's working. We're really, really getting into the nitty gritty of it. So being able to connect with you and this work is um, <clears throat> uh, part of the process. Cool. And, uh, then I've got my temple. Well, is there anything? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything? Is there anything in particular we can support you with? We've got about uh, eight minutes, so if there's anything in well, the way of a specific question or something we can support you with, or and and we're delighted you called to share your uh, your uh, success too. Yes, thank you. Um, I was interested in the conversation last week about uh, feelings, emotions, and. Uh, sensations and Dr. Tim um, um, defined it I thought very well he said that I well I have my version of it but feel is a verb and we feel sensations and we feel emotions and uh, I want to applaud you for shifting the language in the um, <clears throat> in the forgiveness sheet I've always been somewhat and I mean for 27 years somewhat confused by it. I mentioned a week ago a worksheet I did on my cat, and the cat has had taken to biting me. And the first few times it occurred, I would cr- my immediate reaction was to cry from the from the fear, like a 2-year-old falling down and scraping the knee. And then a couple of times more and my immediate reaction was anger with the thought, of course, causing the anger that you're hurting me. And the anger was getting really overblown, and it was obvious that it was disproportionate to the reality. So when I did the worksheet on the cat, I was amazed. I started with anger, but around the middle of the worksheet, I suddenly tuned into the fact that the first few times this happened, it was pain. It was uh, It was just simply the pain, not anger. And then Last Friday, I think, you explained that you did not change the wording on item number six because by that time in the process, uh, the physical sensations are there. And I really appreciated that. I appreciated the fact that that that's been conscious with you all this time and that that was uh, taken into account when you did the word changes on the worksheet. So that's all. Let's let someone else take up some time now. Cool. Awesome. Pleasant. Yeah, thank you. Delighted to be here, and we hold the space just that you breathe into that layer that's moving for you. It's, it's I can feel the energy moving from here, so that's pretty cool. Sweet. <laughs> that's good. Sweet. Yeah. It's a nice space to be in. Yes, thank you. Let go all the things you think you want. Your trifling treasure put away. Leave a clean and open space within your mind for love to come. And your mind returns to the point at which the error was made. Turn it over to the atonement. Turn it over to that presence of love. How simple. All this striving we've done to try to figure it out. How simple. All right. Blessings. Thank you. All right. Ready. Jeannie, do you have another hand up there or anybody in the chat room with something for us? No, there's no other hand up. We've got five minutes, so if somebody presses one, you've got time for a quick question. And the only thing in the chat room is is Camille's there, so I ask her how she 
was surviving the storm, and she said it was actually pretty mild, although there were some big waves and the tide was way up over the dunes. So we hold the space for everybody that's on that coast as the storm's coming in. And yeah, it looks like it's I'm going to probably sure. become more intense tomorrow. Yeah. Um, Shelly disappeared and then came back on, so I'm not sure. Did you press, did you want back on again, Shelly? I'll tell you what, while he's thinking about that, while he's thinking about that, I wanted to add in a thank you to um, to Rex and Paul for the questions in the conversation on Friday and just uh, how everybody benefits from that kind of refinement. And, you know, one of the blessings I get to play with is that uh, I get to interact with people who've been through anything and everything you could possibly imagine and their unique and individual questions that develop each give the work a gift. And so, you know, the gift from those questions that uh, Rex brought up, what, Wednesday, then the conversation led to the the whole renovation of the worksheet, some, I think, significant changes, minor but significant. And so just thank you for those uh, conversations and that input, and uh, I look forward to it continuing for the next things that need to be refined. And, and our invitation is to everybody in your process, in your refining, your questions give us answers we don't have yet. So please share your questions. So, Shelley, you're you're back with us, sir? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I missed the whole moral of the story because you know, I get, I get um, publicly speaking, I'm challenged sometimes. So the moral of that story was, was the monk was saying that the the source of his rage was was inside him and not inside that empty boat that he thought it was somebody inside the empty boat bringing the rage out. Right. The rage was in him. Yeah, that's great, that's, yeah. great example thank of uh, of the principle for sure. Yeah, thank you. I love you guys. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, you got, you're up in the Northeast now, are you? Yeah, I'm up in Maine. I'm leaving here Friday. I'm heading back to uh, oh, Fort Lauderdale. Okay. okay. Yeah, you're still with your son? Weeks. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, how's that yeah. going? Oh, fabulous. Fabulous. Good. That's awesome. You guys reconnect. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sweet. Thank you, brother. All right, sir. We'll look forward to next time we get face-to-face. Yeah, that'll be Part July. Heartland in July. All right. Let's in July. All right. All right. Bye. Yay. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye. So, Jeannie, we're down to uh, what do we got here? About two and a half minutes. We have one hand up. Okay. Let's say hello. Seven six zero. You're on the air. Who do we have? Hey, it's Ann down here, and impacted by the storm, Colin. I just, I just wanted to share quickly. I got caught in my garden, and. Uh, trying to tie down some tomato cages and instead of getting raged at it at the storm it was my error that I didn't get you know time management and get to the garden sooner and so I got drenched just on the back side of my shirt and everything but you know what I came away from that um because I've been doing the work uh, you know I'm making progress doing it but um still a lot to do but it's like okay I can look at this differently because I started to be, you know, mm. upset. Wait, no reason to. I'm going to enjoy that I got this lovely rain on my back and I'm cooled off and home safely. <laughs> so. Sweet. That's it. Sweet. You remind me of my mom where she lived. She would oftentimes get trapped by a train for five or six minutes at a time, and she would just be so upset. I mean, she didn't go to end up there were too many things earlier in life, but she would be so upset. And when I taught her the forgiveness process and the canceling of the goal, the next time that I saw her, she's like, you know, I, get st- I look forward to getting stopped by the train. I keep a book with me. I love to read. I just pull out my book and I read. I get time to read and enjoy my book. It was like, yeah, and that's true with everything in our lives. How cool is that? Yeah, absolutely. So I was able to save, you know, my 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 two rear strings and get them tied down, and it didn't matter that it was pouring on me as long as I was just believing that the lightning wouldn't get me. So anyway, love you guys. Blessings. Sweet. All right. Blessings. Thanks for the call. 
everybody, uh, if you're ready to take your work to the next level, look at the Heartland schedule for this summer. We'll be there doing a nine-day Y, a 16-day Laws of Living, a three-day uh, personal code evaluation training, and 10-day Food Fund Forgiveness and Work. Blessings. Bye-bye.